Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. An intimate slash violent tooth extraction, anthropomorphized bees, an astronaut, creatures of moss, a thieving Eggman, and even Santa Claus all make an appearance in the wild yarn spun out by Friendly's Fire, written by John Patrick Bray and currently in production at the 14th Street Y by Rising Sun Performance Company. But at its heart, it's a play about trauma, its collateral damage, and the people and stories that can help to get one through it along the way. I spoke with the cast and the company's artistic director after a recent performance. Take a listen. So I'd love to start with everyone's name on the mic, so let me know who you are and what you did on the show. Hi, I'm Akia Squatiri. I'm the founding artistic director and producer of Friendly's Fire. Excellent. And we have the whole cast. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, at least the whole cast for tonight. That's true. Hi, I'm Ita Korenzecker, and I play Queen Bee. My name is Matthew Weitz, and I play Guy Friendly. My name is Adeyinka Adebola, and I play Todd. I'm Desiree Pinol, and I play Jessica. I'm Johnny Blaze Levitt. I play Jason, Bee Brother, and uh, Eggman and Poacher. I'm Kyle Porter, and I play B1, uh, Beta, uh, Santa Claus, Reynolds, and Moss Pete. Okay, so you might get a little bit of an idea of the, uh, what was the word we used in the talkback? Bonkers? Bonkers. Nature <laughs> of this show, given the, the last two sets of uh, characters that these folks have been playing. So, um, who, who wants to describe Friendly's Fire? When you tell somebody, come to see this play, what do you tell them that they're coming to see? And you can't use the word bonkers. Akia, you get it. <laughs> okay, so I describe this as a journey into friendship. Um, even though it talks about trauma and it talks about war and it talks about relationships, I've always looked at the center of the story to be the relationship between Todd and Guy and a really beautiful, we don't look at male friendships a lot in a non-toxic way and that's how I describe it. It's a non-toxic story about male friendship. Um, it's how I like <laughs> boil it down to a talking point. That's really cool. Though. Like that's, that's the thing that you latch onto because it's, uh, it's something that I noticed and I loved about it, but for me it was more about the, like I love that there's so much that you could find yeah. in this piece. Um, this is uh, Rising, Rising Sun, Sun Performance, Performance Company. Company is the company and this piece came to you why? So we've had a ongoing relationship with the playwright John Patrick Bray who's in Georgia. Uh, this is the eighth play we've produced of his. Uh, we've been working with him since 2003 um, and this is a play that's been in the pipeline for about six years. He came to us with a play and um, it was just never the right time. It's a really unique bonkers play um, and we were trying to wrap our head around like okay how do we do this piece? Where do we do this piece? Um, and an opportunity came here at the 14th Street Y. Their season was about war and peace, and we submitted uh, to be a co-produced co production, and they selected us uh, for this season. So we've been in pre-production for this for a year and a half. And it's sadly timeless in a way. Uh, you know, we I learned in the talkback that this was set during the first Gulf War, mm -hmm. and that didn't really matter in the course of the play because I, when, when you, we all talked, uh, there were people talking during the talk back about, you know, friends who've served and, and the sort of uh, traumas that they've gone through. This is not isolated to the first Gulf War, unfortunately. Um, again, sadly timeless. Um, we're in a very particular moment in America's relationship to war where 
I think most people have forgotten that we're still in a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that, like making a piece like this that's very much about the aftermath of a thing that most of us, I think, don't even realize we still have the aftermath. This is not what's in the news. We've got a blowhard in the White House who's picking up all the oxygen. Yeah. We've, got a, we've got a trade war going on. We've got you know <laughs> foreign interference in our elections. So much is, is going on in the home front mm-hmm. that it's really easy to forget that there are men and women who are across the globe trying to deal with messes that we've made, mm-hmm. God, 16 years ago yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And that's not even what this play is about. So talk to me, like, talk to me about that. Like, what does it mean to delve into that element of the geopolitical moment when, again, it's, it's not on the front page anymore. This doesn't even make the fold. Well, for me, it's, the show itself is a huge mirroring of mental instability as well and how that's also handled in the country. So the show itself being set in the Gulf War is just like blanketing it against any war. War has always been present and always will be. It's sadly a common truth. Um, And I feel like that's his state of mind. Not only did the war leave the main character guy friendly that way, uh, it left the country that way. And he, like the country, keeps trying to put itself back together. And you can only do that one day at a time, one person at a time, stuff like that. So it's just a very beautiful mirroring of (laughs) the lengths, uh, just the stretches, war pulls on you, and the same as inside of your own head, even when you're back home, regardless of the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, like what, I like what you just said about like the, the, the similarities in the mirrors of Guy Friendly trying to put his life back together, and you know, even with the staging of it, and how the pieces mm-hmm. move and come together, and then how America <laughs> seems to be trying to figure out its pieces and figure out how we can put our pieces back together as well. And I think that that war, it it, it always sort of makes more pieces Mm. out of the pieces we already have. And I think that a lot of people who, you know, and and I'm not like, I I don't know. I think a lot of people think that war is the answer because it gets people money and, and oil like this show is about specifically and other resources and land and these kinds of things. But I, I think that it just creates more fissures and I think that, that people are actually more pulled apart by it. And so to mirror that and to have a show where a man comes back from war and the only, and he's in pieces and the only way that he can bring himself back is to grow beyond the trauma he received in the war, yeah. is, to, is to actually free himself of the infinite amount of pieces that were created within himself and I think that that's something America would benefit from as well so um, yeah that's something that really uh, really makes me excited to do this work it's a play that brings light to the issue of the veteran um, regardless of what state that he's in when he comes back or how long he's been back you know you, you see them on the train and they're explaining their situation and they're asking for money and stuff and you know people are just like all right it's just another homeless person or it's just another beggar but you know these people have seen the world these people have done things that a lot of us can't even possibly dream of and seen things that we can't possibly dream of and this play highlights that and puts it in a place where you can you can watch it kind of unfold and see this person's you know the aftermath of everything that happens and how it affects his family and how it affects his friendships and how it affects everything um and then you get to just kind of live in that and, and, and think about that and go home with that on your mind. 
And I think it does a lot of healing for people who, you know, might know somebody or might have been in that situation. Um, yeah. Ladies first. Um, something that uh, John Patrick Bray has referred to about this play is that it's pro-veteran and anti-war. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things it really highlights is how we leave our veterans behind. Um, and I, same thing, I come from military, both my grandfather served in the war, I come from a military family, um, and I have a lot of friends that have served, and it really is sad to see how much, not only these veterans, but also their families, their wives, their children, their parents sacrifice, and then they're kind of forgotten about uh, when they come home, and I think that's something that's really beautifully touched on in this play, and something that John, I think, particularly really strove for. I'm going to build on that because that's where I was going to. We have a culture that sensationalizes going into war. You've oh, got yeah. Uncle Sam in red, white, and blue going, we need you specifically. We're going we're gonna to make you the hero. We're going to give you the weapons. We're going to show you how to use them. You're going to go. You're going to fight. You're, we, we tell you who the enemy is. You've got this. You're the hero. You've got the quest. And when you come in, we sensationalize going into it, but we almost vilify mm. those that come back with yeah. their... Mm -hmm. They're wounded and neglected. The, the veteran hospital state of affairs are, are deplorable. The, the, there's no reinstitution or rehabilitation to reintegrate them into society. They spend so long training you to go out and do damage and do, I don't want to say do harm, but I mean to, to go out and, and kill. And, and you come back and that is what you're trained to do. And mm -hmm. your biggest threat now is I have to pay job. my rent. I have to get to CVS before it closes. Like, mm -hmm. the, I mean, the, the, the stakes that you're used to living in and the conditions you're used to constantly being prepared to fight against all disappear, and there is no decompression process into that. It's a really great lead into what I was thinking from all the responses is there's this really interesting thing going on in this play where, um, as you've all kind of, as you, you specifically just alluded to, we, we build these stories about the idea of going off to war, the idea of the soldier, the story of the war, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, everything from glory to band of brothers to like, you know, and back and forth throughout time, we, we glorify and tell these myths mm -hmm. about the idea about how you will make meaning of yourself by being a soldier. This is how you will come into being a fully formed mm -hmm. human, right? Mm -hmm. That's all over the place. And yet in this play, we need to watch Guy use storytelling to come back, mm -hmm. to get to a place where he can process the bullshit that he had to watch and that he had to see and that he had to experience. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, you know, wonderful double going on because we're doing that in the theater. And that's what we do. That is literally the thing that we do is right. we tell stories to try to like get uh, in, in his, his uh, note, the playwright talks about mm -hmm. using fictions to get at truths. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that, this, this work of playing, because that's what we do, mm -hmm. you know? We, Brooke said a play is play, and, and here we have this man on stage playing with his, uh, you know, He-Man stand-in, man-men, mm -hmm. uh, action figures, <laughs> to maybe somehow get back to a place where he's no longer traumatized. Mm -hmm. can, can we just talk a little bit about the power of storytelling? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, li I'd like to say something on that. I think just in, in, in terms of trauma, I mean, oftentimes 
you know, during a traumatic event, you get sort of stuck in that, in, in that place in your life. Let's say you had a traumatic experience that, that ruined you when you were 12 years old. And most oftentimes people, there's still parts of them that are still a 12 year old person, male or female, even if they're 35, 40 years old, because they never were able to process that trauma appropriately. And parts of them are still stuck in that stage of their life. I think the most truest form of storytelling you can find is within children. And that's why, you know, the, the, the struggle for Guy and Natalie to have a child is such a struggle for Guy in himself because he wants that pureness, he wants that integrity of the child's imagination. And I think that <clears throat> the same way, you know, kids believe in ghosts and Santa Claus and it's Santa Claus, you know what I mean? And and then you're, you're talk about wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah right. And then and then you're taught years later that these things are pretend and made up and that you need to get a job and, and that these things aren't so, so you're pulled away from storytelling, most people, and you're pulled away from the integrity of imagination and the healing powers that it, it has for people. And so I think that for Guy Friendly to be able to go back to this purely imaginative place in his life to tap into what it really feels like to be a child again, to learn how to overcome something that happened to him when he was not a child is an incredibly powerful situation for him to be in and for, for other people to experience as well in the audience and to see and I think there's something really special about that, the power of, of a childlike imagination and, and, and its purest form with no malice and, and, and you know, nothing but the hope and the expectation and beauty of life and what it can be. So I think that, there, that there's a, a message to be said in that. May I say something? Please. Um, well, tell us who you are yes. first. Who is this new voice? <laughs> My name is Callie Stribling, and I'm the production stage manager from Lace Fire. And I just wanted to add on that storytelling and a love of storytelling is why I wanted to get into theater in the first place and it's why I do what I do. And I think that it's wonderful that we have a show that kind of relishes in this power of it because I think it is something that is inherently recognized in all human societies that this is a thing that we do that has power and meaning. We as human beings have always been and will always be storytellers. It is how we teach our kids about the world and what is right and what is wrong and how we teach them to have empathy and to care about other people and how we help them make sense of things that they have not experienced yet. And I think that's part of why it can be such a powerful coping thing for people dealing with trauma because it helps us make sense of things and understand things by putting a new lens on it. And I think that, I think that there's a reason that theater people in general want to highlight that power of storytelling because we're all storytellers for a reason. Yeah. I think that's a really great place to end this thing. Mm -hmm. um, thank you all so much for uh, some very uh, wonderful theater that has some very difficult subject matter <laughs> uh, to get through. Um, the show is Friendly's Fire. We're at the theater at the 14th Street Y. Y'all run through the 18th? 19th, 19th of May. Sunday. Yeah. Tickets and more information can be found at uh, www.risingsunnyc.com. And you can also go to the 14th Street Y.org website for information and tickets. Excellent. Thank you all so much. Continue breaking legs. Thank you. And uh, yeah. Are you, are you in for the rest of the run? I am. Awesome. Yeah, Good you're luck. stuck with me. Break. <laughs> hey, I didn't realize, I wasn't right. sure. I saw the, the slip saying somebody's, somebody's stepping in. Mm -hmm.
and I didn't know who it was until after the show because mm -hmm. they just nice. couldn't tell. He's uh, that good. So, see, we didn't even talk about that. There's all this other great indie theater stuff. Um, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, seeking for really like that was a really wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Akia, Matthew, Adayinka, Desiree, Kyle, Johnny, Ita, and Callie for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch Friendly's Fire at the theater at the 14th Street Y, 344 East 14th Street in Manhattan through May 19th, 2019. Head to risingsunnyc.com for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Craig likes asking. Thank you. Thank you so much.